0: Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now... Here are your co-hosts, Megan Rawlings and Kevin Witham.
1: Hi, and welcome back to Common Ground's Unity Podcast. We are so thrilled that you are here. I am your co-host, Megan Rawlings, joined with my wonderful co-host,
2: Kevin Witham. And Megan, it is great to be back with you again, and we are continuing a conversation uh, with three individuals who uh, kind of run across the streams of our Stone Campbell movement and are involved together in work with the World Convention. Um, Tina Bruner is the executive director of World Convention, and she's with us. We we gave a lengthier introduction to Tina last week and got to share some time with her and hear from her. Uh, Newell Williams is uh, President and Professor of Modern and American Church History at Bright Divinity School at Texas Christian University. Uh, He's also co-edited two books with our other guests, Doug Foster and Paul Blowers, uh, The Stone-Campbell Movement of Global History and the Encyclopedia of the Stone-Campbell Movement. So Dr. Williams, it is good to have you back with us. And then Doug Foster um, is back with us. He is Uh, a professor of church history and director of the Center for Restoration Studies at ACU, and I I think may have retired from that post and is now the scholar in residence there. But Doug, you can correct me on that. He also co-edited the books that I just mentioned that are uh, just great references for your library and study books on our history and the people that have shaped our movement. So uh, Dr. Foster, Dr. Williams, Tina Bruner, so glad to have each of you back with us. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Glad to be here.
1: All right. I'm going to kick us off here. I've got a question, and this is really for uh, Dr. Foster and um, Dr. Williams. So, my question is, some have used the concentric circles of core important and peripheral doctrines to describe how we navigate through doctrinal tensions. Others have used the description as essential, important, and personal elements. Historically, we've done poorly with the center circle, the important doctrines. Could you lay out some road markers that would help us better navigate these important elements or doctrines?
4: Yes, that's that's a question I think that many people have struggled with. They've tried to sort of, as as you just mentioned, to categorize or prioritize and so forth. I don't think it's... Um, totally misdirected, but I think that that the question itself may not be getting at the real point. Let me me explain what I mean by that. Um, I think that we uh, many times assume that the point of Christianity, of authentic Christianity, maybe is the way to say that, Uh, that the certification for whether or not you are a true Christian and can be recognized and fully fellowshiped as such is the ability to articulate precisely certain doctrinal propositions or to assent to those propositions. Now, I believe that doctrine is important, but I don't believe that being able to articulate an assent in some precise way to, to doctrinal propositions is the point of Christianity. I think that, that doctrine is one of the ways in which, perhaps through even struggling to understand some of the great truths of Christianity, God works in us and the Holy Spirit transforms us. But the point, as Alexander Campbell said uh I think he said it in a, in, a, in a brilliant, breathtaking way. It is the image of Christ that the Christian looks for and loves in the other. And this does not consist of being precise in certain doctrines or even practices. And he mentions the fact and no one is able to accuse Alexander Campbell of being soft on baptism. But he said even the doctrine is important as baptism. The point is being transformed into the image of Christ. And so I think that with our assumptions about what the certification of a true Christian is, and that is this this holding these things, assenting to these doctrinal propositions. Again, I'm not trying to minimize the importance of doctrine. Yes, we, we think, we study we delve into the scriptures but even even our attitude toward the scriptures we very often uh, again maybe sometimes just assume that the scriptures are a, a book of facts of data that we mine and pull out and put together these propositions and that that's what we're all about that's what the whole point is is about i don't think that's the case at all i think we must be immersed in scripture constantly because somehow it is in God's written word, that's where the Holy Spirit yeah. works on us and transforms us more into the image of Christ. And so while I, while I think that the, the question itself is not totally misdirected, I think it, it's assuming certain things that I don't buy.
5: I think that it's, you know, Stone and Campbell would not buy it, but we live in a culture where it is very real. Uh, you know, in the United States, people say, what, is, what does your church believe? You know, really interesting question. Um, because there are, other, there are other ways one could think about the church. Um, Barton Stone was very interested in making sense of the Christian experience. And so uh, he struggled with uh, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity. He struggled with uh, uh, substitutionary atonement theories. Um, he developed from Scripture and uh, through uh, his, own, his own prayer, uh, an ongoing study, uh, intellectual constructions of, of uh, the relationship of, of uh, the one God to Jesus the Christ. Uh, and he came up with a, a couple of ideas about just how it is that uh, Jesus' death upon the cross uh, transforms our lives. So it was important to make sense of, of this faith, um, but um, that's not what it was about. Uh, and the fact that Alexander Campbell and Barton Stone, who had really radically different views of nothing less than Christology uh, and atonement, really radically different views, uh, they could be the leaders of two movements that came together. Because what was what was unusual about the what we now call the Stone Camel movement is that these people didn't agree about the sorts of things that other churches thought you had to agree about or you couldn't be here. <laughs> uh, and the beauty, I think, of what of what they offered uh, is the the possibility that we can continue to grow, that we can continue to, to uh, see in new ways uh, how in which how the good news of of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, is to be understood and claimed. Uh, it's it's about you know faith uh, seeking understanding. Uh, it's important for us to be able to understand our faith. It may be for some of us more than for others, but it's not the thing. The thing is the new life that we are given uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, how to make sense of that? It's, it doesn't have to be the same. Um, so I, I like our messiness, but I must tell you, um, as a as a, a seminary professor and a seminary president, um, who sometimes talks with foundations that might be willing to help us with our students, um, I get tired of being asked, "Well, what do your what does your church believe?" Um, well, we believe Jesus is the Christ, Son of the Living God, Lord and Savior. Hmm? What's important to you? Well, baptism is pretty important to us. Lord's Supper is pretty important to us. Loving our neighbors as ourselves is, I think that's what we're called to be.
2: Well, Dr. Williams, that leads us well into our next question, because uh, here here you are a a professor in a Disciples of Christ Divinity School, Bright uh, Divinity School there at TCU, and you're, uh, your church life is in uh, the Disciples of Christ and the mm-hmm. Disciples of Christ Church. So so from what you've just said, some of our listeners um, may have some uncertainty or discomfort about some of the things they've heard that are beliefs uh, in the Disciples of Christ. And uh, to be fair, some of these may arise out of preconceived notions or, or misunderstanding. What can you tell us about uh, the, the DOC that might bridge some of the gaps among us and, and give us a greater understanding?
5: Yeah, I suppose that what I would need from you is an example, (laughs)
2: uh, because I'm not
5: sure, I'm not sure what others, uh, are are thinking about disciples, but if there's a particular, uh, concern or, or issue, I'd be happy to try to, uh, respond. Not all, not all disciples are alike, but, uh, I know a lot of disciples. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, some of the uh, some of this is answered in your question just a few moments ago. M- maybe we tend uh, some to have a, a perception that the disciples of Christ are all the same, and we know that's not true of the other streams. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there's a great deal of autonomy in in the disciples of Christ, church to church.
5: I suppose that's right, uh, and within congregations, within congregations as well. Uh, but there are some. There are certainly some common threads. I, I think it's a be appropriate to say disciples are very much people of the table. I don't run into disciples, into disciples who don't have a deep love for uh, uh, celebrating uh, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the Lord's Supper. This is an occasion, you know, in which we remember that Jesus died, right? And yet, uh, for disciples, uh, there is this common testimony that somehow he is with us. The risen one joins us at the table. Uh, and so it is, it is the, the miracle of resurrection, uh, the reality of, of death, um, coming face to face with that experience. Um, of Jesus' death, death because of because of his his life for us and for all of humanity, and yet risen and and meeting us, joining us. My gosh, uh, that's a that's a big mark of disciples. You folk who are in this stream, when uh, when they're in places where the Lord's is not. Uh, not practice regularly it, it it's uh, it's a real sense of loss uh, when one is in a church uh, that doesn't welcome all who would come to the table to come it, it is a it's a real it's a real uh, a real challenge i mean disciples are people of the table uh, that's one of the things that could be said pretty much across the board important spiritual life-giving for all, for all.
1: Maybe we could expand on some of the preconceived notions or stereotypes or misconceptions that create unnecessary barriers among our various dreams. So Tina, what do you think?
3: Um, well, in my experiences cross-culturally and in this work as well, I'm often reminded that we can't really see ourselves rightly if we look only through our own lens. We see ourselves more clearly often through the eyes of others and as believers through the example of Jesus and the lens of scripture versus our nature to compare and, um, and also to fill in gaps where we don't have information. So the interesting thing for me when I did these listening sessions was I started with disciples and Church of Christ because I have the least amount of experience and the least amount of relationships in those Two streams. And to listen to them describe to me their perception of Christian church, it was just bizarre. Like some of the, the ways that they, um, one, some some folks who feel like that all Christian churches are mega churches. Um, and there were some things that they talked about that were right, that I feel a um, certain amount of shame around some pride that I, I do feel like marks some of of Christian churches um, distinctives or or whatever. So I think it was helpful for me to start with the groups that I knew least and then also be able to see myself reflected and and the church that I love and am part of in the Christian church tradition independent that um, that helped me better be able to to have a conversation when I got to the Christian Church. Things. so in one of my conversations with someone from Christian church they started talking all about what disciples believe and so as they were talking I just kept thinking all right I've talked with all these different disciples I haven't heard these themes that this uh, person is is bringing to me and so I just kept asking questions and you what experience do you have where that was shared what because I'm trying to learn and um, and also i've I've feel like that a lot of times we from any stream from any just in general as people we hear a little bit of information and then we just social media tells us something and we just put that in our thing as all that must be true Mm -hmm. by the time I got to the end of the conversation this person realized that he had heard something that and, and the issue was that disciples don't believe that the deity of God, and so um, the the more we talked, and we got down to where he where he heard that, or or what his experience with that was, it was completely the opposite. Um, but because nobody had challenged that belief that the disciples believed this, then he just kept on. Believing that himself, and then I'm I'm sure just as all of us do. When you have those conversations with people, then you bring what your insights are to that, and so it perpetuates something that that really isn't true. And so, um, so I I mean I think everything comes back to these relationships because, you know, I'll I'll say that um, my relationship with Doug and Newell in particular. It's almost like a feeling of um, when this person was talking negatively about disciples, all I could see was the face of Newell and think that is so not true of who he is and he wouldn't be part of something if if it were this way. And so it's almost like that thing where you can talk about your family, but somebody else better not. And so I feel like that 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 kinship that we have or somebody in... Christian church was talking about church of Christ and how rigid and how, um, you know, just old stereotypes, even it's based on so much old information or lack of any information and lack of relationships with anyone from that group that Mm -hmm. it just made me want to fight. You know, I was like, no, that's not true. And I'm sure that the thing that is universal about our, our movement is that nobody's the boss of us. So in our um, even the perception that the disciples, because they have a headquarters and they have all these amazing resources, they still are very congregational, and and that I think is um, makes it's it's not unique because independent Christian church are there's no bishop of us, there's no head of us, and there's not of churches of Christ either. So we're all very siloed under our thing. I talked with. Um, with a leader um, from the uh, Christian churches, and he said, "It's so sad that our unity movement is um, identified by our separation from each other, not our unity together." Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's really yeah. true.
5: Let me ask this question: uh, You just people join Disciples of Christ churches uh, by simple, uh, simple confession. It is, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of Living God. Mm-hmm. Lord and Savior of the world. Um, and with that simple confession, uh, people are baptized as disciples of Christ. Uh, so if you're a member of a disciples church, you have publicly confessed that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, Son of living God, Lord and Savior, uh, and you have been baptized. Is it different in... Um, churches of Christ
2: or Christian churches? Or do we have that in common? We hold that in common. That is the same, same practice in the churches of Christ of which I'm a part.
5: Yeah. Uh, So I think that's where it's, I think that's where our unity begins. Um, And then as I was saying, you know, disciples have Mm -hmm. an understanding of baptism as God's promise of our forgiveness which is a promise that's, you know, the older we get, the more dear that, dear that promise is, the longer we've had to do the wrong thing, um, intentionally or unintentionally. Um, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I appreciate this conversation because a part of our goal, once again, is to, to help folks get to know one another and, and to not broad brush Anyone in our movement, or any particular stream of the movement, and I think we can all three streams can easily do that if we just have these preconceived notions, but don't get to know one another as uh, as brothers and sisters and have conversations like this. So I appreciate uh, Newell your thoughts and Tina your thoughts on this. Um, I'm not sure if we've lost Doug. Doug is uh, not only you know a great scholar and historian; uh, he's very much involved in the life of the church, the local church, and uh, was going to have to leave early to get with a couple that was getting married, and he was doing their premarriage counseling. So uh, I think Doug's left. Doug, are you? I take it he's gone. I'm, so I'm, I'm here. For, oh, you're still here, Doug. Just for Terrific. a
4: couple more minutes, uh, I'll say something on the next question, maybe, and then sign off.
2: Okay, I was hoping you could hold on for this question, and uh, so Leroy Garrett he wrote the church of Christ separated over methodology by and large, while the Christian church withdrew from the disciples of Christ over theology. Could you speak to the validity of that statement?
4: Yeah. I, uh, Leroy was, was uh, such a dear friend and a brilliant historian, and I think that what he says there is valid as far as it goes. It's valid especially at one level, it's sort of the the visible level perhaps, but as a church historian, and Newell I'm sure can attest to this as well, and my brother is a clinical psychologist, a counselor, and I think coming from both of those standpoints, um, you know, I've heard a number of counselors say the issue is never the issue. Mm -hmm. By, By that they mean that what people are actually, you know, shooting verbal assaults at each other about using, this is the thing that's, that's causing the problem, this is the thing that's causing the, the conflict or division. There's always something uh, deeper. There's always something that is not being addressed, something that is very often uh, a matter of control or power. But I also know that in the history of Christianity, whenever there have been even major divisions, there were always personalities involved that just simply didn't like each other. Hmm. And they made things into divisive topics or issues, sometimes by distorting the other person's beliefs, uh, just like what we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes. And the fact of the matter is, uh, I think that while in some cases these things that Leroy points out certainly uh, had to do with methodology, had to do with, with at least at some level theology, but I think Newell earlier said the same thing about methodology between the disciples and, and uh, Christian churches, that there was a lot of mission methodology that was, was sort of at, the, at that level. But when you get down to it, there's something that's deeper. There's something that is very often driven by personalities who are wanting to be dominant, wanting to control. And I think there's where that whole business of spiritual formation and being together, uh, not so much to debate doctrinal propositions or topics or even methodology, but to try to say, what is it that is most important? for us as followers of Jesus Christ? What is it that that is transforming us more into the image of Christ? And I know Newell can speak to that as well after I'm I'm needing to leave, but but I think that uh, we really just have to dig a whole lot deeper and say, okay, what is really going on here now? And sometimes that's hard to do because it brings up some pretty ugly stuff in people's lives.
5: Doug is a historian. Uh, I think you would agree, but I'm going to ask you before you leave. Um, there may have been, uh, say, some truth, uh, certainly, to um, uh, uh, theology being a separating issue for disciples and Christian churches. Um, I'm going to say, actually, it had to do with biblical interpretation, but uh, you and I are both involved when in the Stone-Campbell Journal. Uh, we're on the board of the Stone-Campbell Journal, which is a Christian church's an organization, and it it sponsors uh, a Biblical study and theological study, and uh, biblical scholars in the Christian churches um, are studying the Bible very much, you know, in in the same general way that disciples were uh, in in certain universities in the nineteen thirties and forties. So, if if there was some distinction about whether to recognize new what were new currents in in biblical interpretation in the 1930s and 40s uh, which are not so new anymore and which have been embraced by uh, scholars of the christian churches what is it that's keeping us apart now um you know i there are reasons why people come apart and but then maybe there have to be other reasons why they stay apart
4: mm-hmm.
5: that makes sense to you doug is a
4: yeah, absolutely. I think I think one of the things that has happened, Newell, and I think it's, this has been attested to or alluded to both in last podcast and in this one as well, is that we just don't know each other. We're not with each other. And right. when the, the initial alien alienation took place that we just we stuck. We just were with our own, quote, people yeah. from then yeah. on. And those other folks were. The bad folks, and we didn't want to associate with them, and so rather than being able to know and love and appreciate each other, we just simply didn't have any relationship at all. And the only thing we would say about each other were those stereotypes that were distorted and largely untrue. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm
5: -hmm. I think that's I think that's right. Um, So if you don't know people, you can you can continue repeating the issue that may have been the issue. 40 or 50 years ago um and then you may have just one image say the image of christian churches is the megachurch and you think you got it well you don't mm-hmm.
3: um the typical thing and the thing that really is uh burdens me is that the witness that we are to the world um mm-hmm. through these divisions through this um Dismissal of each other, um, or the other that that we're not connected with, whether it's one of the the churches within the Stone Campbell movement or others. I mean, I think it's hard for the world to tell who the Christians are because we don't act different than than the rest of the world, and I think that 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 grieves my heart, and I think it it's not scriptural, and I think for us to continue to ignore the mandate of, I mean, the, the verse in John that, that talks about that is that we would be one. And so I think the, several people have mentioned on the Common Grounds uh, podcast in the past that unity doesn't mean uniformity, those things. I just think at some level, we have a lot of pride. And so that keeps us from moving toward each other. And the, the, collateral damage of that is that it weakens the witness of Jesus.
5: I think that, you know, anthropologists say, you know, human beings are are tribal um, and that's our problem. Um, I think, I think the gospel frees us from that tribalism, but it's a powerful source. You know, we are being, we are being transformed, but we are sinners even yet. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the tribalism that we see, uh, it's so many places in our in our culture I, I think is is the is our, our brokenness as as human beings but I think Jesus Christ uh, came for us and is with us through the spirit to free us uh, from the kinds of fear that drive us into uh, a, 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 a tribalism that that requires that we be the goodbye good folk and everybody else you know not so much um, you know, faith casts out fear and we have all kinds of fears, Uh, but um, our call is to give that up and and to honor God by our friendship with all of the world.
1: Do you guys have any closing thoughts on how we move further down this road toward greater unity?
5: There's a little song, the more we get together, the happier will be something like that. Right. (laughs) I do think, I do think there's truth to it.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I was part of the Christian scholars uh, conference last week in Nashville, even though I am not a scholar. Um, But I just realized that um, as intimidating as um, a setting like that is like for me to be part of that, to listen, to learn from, that type of gathering um really enriches my spirituality but also helps just in the just the understanding of how god sees us as a family and so i think the um the ways that we the the way that common ground is saying just you know have a cup of coffee with someone you know, break down just the stereotypes by, by meeting someone that's different from us. Um, but the thing with the, with the church is somebody in disciples is different from me in the experience they have in the, in the way that they practice, but they're not different from me in that they're made in the image of God. And so I think that, um, the, the more we get to know each other, the more we see that. And I think that's been spoken to before. And, you know, I think to, to make time for, for doing those things, um, is something that in the North American context is definitely hard, but until we start doing that, I think it's, it's not going to, we're not going to move toward a a spirit of unity or oneness or whatever. So I'm super excited for the work that World Convention does to advocate for um, bringing our streams together and, um, and really welcome anyone who's interested or has a resource or knows of something within their context that they think is wonderful. That they think the, uh, the rest of our churches could be blessed by to reach out to me and let me know. Because I will promote those things and advocate for those resources to be known by the, by the greater church.
2: Is Doug still with us? He may have had to have uh, stepped out. I I feel like um, I have been a part of a great Common Ground Unity conversation and gathering. I'm I'm a part of a local gathering here in San Diego County in California, uh, and I I feel like our conversation has been like I've experienced in person. Um, To have the three of you has just been a delight. What a delightful conversation that you've shared your hearts and your insights and your, your relationships together, working together in this great cause has, has encouraged me. So I want to thank you for being with us today. We've all, I think, learned uh, more about um, our common heritage and what it is that binds us together and the work of World Convention. So uh, uh, Tina and Newell, thank you for being with us. I thank Doug Foster. Do you all have any uh, closing thoughts you'd like to share? and And after that, I turn it over to Megan.
5: Well, I'd just like to thank you for inviting us. Um, the The work you're doing is is clearly the work that that needs to be done, uh, and uh, I'm pleased and honored to have been asked to participate.
3: Amen. All
1: right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Common Grounds Unity podcast. Before we end, one thing that we love to do on this podcast is since Common Grounds Unity says Unity starts with a cup of coffee, I'd like to ask you two a simple question, no big deal, but let's start with Dr. Williams. How do you take your coffee?
5: Oh, I drink it black. Yeah, and a lot of it.
1: (laughs) Ah, Wonderful.
3: And Miss Tina... Yeah, unless uh, I'm a guest in someone's home or whatever, and it's offered to me, I do not drink coffee ever. I love how it smells, but I think it tastes terrible. (laughs) So yeah, and I learned the hard way that um, in other cultures, if you drink all of it with the mindset, I'm just going to get this over with and your cup is empty, they will just fill that up again. And then you're stuck again with another <laughs> cup of terrible coffee. It's wonderful, I'm sure, but for me, I cannot. Oh my drink gosh, it. that's crazy! That's so. I, fun. I think
2: Megan and I well, have both been see. learning that we're never going to build unity. Uh, Megan, sorry, I was I was interjecting there.
3: I was too. i was just going go to say I, I don't yeah. think we're
2: ever going to. And that's all right. I'll give it back to you. I'm just going to say I don't think we're ever going to build our unity around coffee. Uh, from all the guests that we've had. It's got to be around Christ. Yeah. Okay. Amen. <laughs>
1: all right. Hey, guys, make sure you tune back in next week. Hit that subscribe button, so that way we pop up in your news feed every single week. If you like us, go ahead and give us five stars. If you don't, don't bother with the stars. Just move on to the next podcast. Know her feelings. <laughs> Until next time, go out and unify.
0: Thank you for listening to the Common Ground Unity Podcast with Megan and Kevin. Please check out commongroundunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments. You can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.